no, no, different. the last the last curse was Eden. So. Oh right, yeah, you're right, you're right. She did. Yeah. Ooh, why did yeah. that keep what happening? I don't know <laughs> because it's uncomfortable. Probably uncomfortable. Leave the babies alone. And I'm Kat. And, and we're, we're the, the ghouls next door. door. You went a higher octave spooky there. Stuff. Door. <laughs> door. We're talking spooky stuff, you know. We're Del doing Ray it. Me door. Um, yes, we are talking spooky stuff. We are continuing our For the Culture series where we are talking about foreign films or films that are highlighting specific cultures and things that are happening in them. Uh, and in their environments. And today we are talking about Impedagore. We sure are. And yes. We have things to say about it, I imagine. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's um, Impedagore is a favorite in the horror community. It is recent. Um, it was 2019 with like a wider release in 2020. And so it was like people getting involved in it. It is a uh, on Shutter, which seems to be where the hub is for these films that we appreciate. So it's horror hub, I'm not porn just hub. Just gonna keep hub. telling people, yeah, horror hub. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> that's that's called uh, OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Shutter is our OnlyFans. No, um, Shutter's great, and so is this film. It is, yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna get into it. There's a lot of deep sadness surrounding the culture part of it um that really feeds well into the uh the film itself and it was i just think it was genuinely a good time yeah no i have no critiques of this film I, i thoroughly enjoyed it and i think that's something that we've seen in this series is that like there's lots of positive gems to it even if the like stories that we're talking about are unbelievably like sad and based on things that are just like really upsetting and unfortunate yeah and it's like at the beginning of this series i mentioned that we were gonna do um a Bloomhouse film because he has those four that came out that were done mm-hmm. by people of color and we had the uh idea to do evil eye um but uh <laughs> we just feel like it didn't fit into here as well like it didn't have as strong um a connection to like this overarching theme of what was happening in that culture and so we replaced it with Impedagore <laughs> so yeah. um sorry that if you were looking forward to Bloomhouse we uh, we are not going to cover one for the series <laughs> we're not doing it yeah. um maybe another I think time you'll, you know you'll enjoy we have this life. we have a long life Mm-hmm. filled with possible horror movies to cover so or like hopefully you know yeah you know new one every week so mm-hmm. <laughs> we're bound to run into it i'm sure um yeah. but for this one we are not we're gonna be doing Impedagore from indonesia and that's what we're focused on so cat take it away in the horror corner yeah we're gonna tell you some facts about stuff uh 
as a warning, they're pretty sad. Um, this film was based off of some really sad stuff that's real. And I guess like if you aren't prepared to hear about sad stuff, I feel like you just feel sad from watching the movie, though. Um, like in a mm-hmm. good way. <laughs> um, but there's a theme of violence against women in the film in Pedagor, perpetuated by men in the film and is actually a pressing in- issue in Indonesia, which is something that we're going to get into. Um, but what we see on screen very early on is like an introduction to this. So you have like her alone in a toll booth at, with the threat of a strange man. You have later a village filled with so many pregnant women that you're like Mm -hmm. how so many pregnant women be like usually like if you're gonna like pregnancy packed you know like with your friends there's only a few there was so many and to the point where they were burying a child every few days because of how many pregnant women there are and while i just made a joke about it what the reality of it is is not very funny it's actually super sad so Basically, I read an article in Horror Obsessive called Women's Pain and the Weighing in Impedagore. And you basically get an overview of the film's portrayal that links back to societal issues in Indonesia. The article states, overall, the violence against, the rage of, and the lack of social mobility for women and children depicted in Impedagore shadows the real-life struggle for women's rights in Indonesia. The prolific and resilient feminist movement of Indonesia is both spurred and challenged by oppressive traditionalism. In Indonesia, teenage girls are leading a movement of end-child marriage, and the government, which is influenced by fundamentalist religious groups, rejects feminist legislation and is complicit in systemic violence against women. So this film is saying a lot, even though I think without that context viewers who may not be like well versed in what is happening across the world outside of America might not know. Um, so it's saying a lot, even if it might not be obvious, uh, which I don't know if I would have gotten without reading the articles. I don't know if I would have gotten to exactly here. I think I would have like been able to be like, there's a lot of violence against ladies and like picked Mm -hmm. up on that, but maybe not understanding why. So there are many movements taking place in Indonesia, calling for an end of child marriage and an end of systemic violence against women. The violence in child marriage is blatant in my opinion, um, as it takes children and forces them to be wives and mothers. So you have children raising children and Mm -hmm. that just continuously disenfranchises women from education and independence and kind of is used as a way to domesticate women and make them subservient to men. So in addition to child marriage, violence against women comes in many forms, including physical abuse, psychological violence, sexual violence, and the perpetrators aside from individuals can also be government or non-governmental institutions, cultural, religious, and educational. So there's an argument being made in Indonesia by these groups that are standing up, basically saying like, this is a systemic issue. This isn't like one person here, one person there. Like this is something that's being very intentionally brought out against the women of Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of through all of my historical research uh, in life kind of see this trend that there is this trend throughout human cultures where systemic violence and oppression against a group is perpetuated by societal complicity with said violence and oppression out of matters. Like if it's kind of like a, human survival mechanism where it's like if i stand up against this i am putting myself in harm's way so Mm -hmm. 
not to say all humans are inherently selfish and trash, but kind of, um, but there are people who are standing up against it. So that's what's most important. And it's the, the biggest thing is that they need support from people who are kind of like in that middle benefiting from it. Uh, it's not directly impacting them that they need to stand up to. Like they shouldn't just go along with it because it's how it's always been. So yeah, like those allies, mm -hmm. it's like it's not you, but like you without knowing it have power and mm -hmm. should use it to help. Others. Exactly. Um, so in Indonesia, there are movements such as the women's anti-violence movement or Gerak Perempuam, which I super sorry if I said that wrong, uh, which is an alliance of a non-government organization and civil society groups. So it's a collection of people who do not have necessarily governmental influence, um, but do represent groups in society. Uh, in an article on the Jakarta Globe, violence against women in Indonesia is systemic and the government is not doing enough to unravel it. This violence and oppression is called out as a systemic issue. So some numbers for you that are like pretty intense. Uh, mm. An annual report conducted by the National Commission for Women, the noted, it noted a 14% increases in the cases of violence against women in 2019, with a shocking total of 406,178 cases of violence against women. The article quotes Mutiara Ika, who is the coordinator of the women's group Perpet... Mm, Parempuam Mahadika, apologies, and she basically says violence against women is a systemic issue because it occurs repeatedly and in a never-ending circle. The government has been neglecting the marginalization and representation, or marginalization and repression of women. This is said at an Indonesian Legal Aid Foundation headquarters, where this film has been like acclaimed for shifting folklore away from just Scandinavian and European folklore is basically like Midsummer or Wicker Man, uh, focusing mm -hmm. on white people folklore. This is that shows the horrors of things happening in broad daylight. Import, and Pettigore really shifts this away from a non-white lens and shows that violence and horror happens at all times, day and night, which in watching, I did not realize right away. But through reading an article, I noticed that it's very telling that this is something that's shown how the violence against women happens in Indonesia. So there's a director of the Indonesian Legal Aid Foundation, Asfinwati, and she claims violence against women is a very complex issue because women experience it not only in public, but also inside the home. It's systemic violence because it happens multiple, multiple times in all sectors and spaces. So you kind of see that throughout the film where the violence against the women in the film is happening everywhere. It's happening in dark. It's happening in light. It's happening um, nighttime, daytime. In house, mm -hmm. outside. Yeah, yeah. everywhere. Um, and I think that was done specifically because it was trying to show that, like, women in Indonesia are experiencing this in all areas. So kind of stepping away from – it's like – People who maybe don't have that context are like saying it's so great because it's stepping away from Midsummer's full core expectations, which is an article from Screen Rant. Uh, but it actually, I think, is doing that because it's trying to showcase like how real that is for women in Indonesia. Um, not necessarily just to pull away from white people culture, but like just as a representation of their culture themselves. So Yeah, well, I wonder also like, 
thinking about like because one of the big things about Midsommar and it being in the daylight was like you know these like white people can commit these atrocious acts in broad daylight Mm -hmm. and like that was the statement whereas with this it's like it's not just broad daylight it's all the time and it's it's everywhere and it's made into like just normalcy like it's just expected Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that's even more powerful than just being like arrogant like I can be in like in front of anyone in the broad Mm -hmm. daylight and do it's like oh well this is happening all the time like (laughs) you know this is this is so like expected that it doesn't you don't even notice it's -hmm. just there and um I didn't actually record this in my notes for the show but I had read an article for it was linked in the horror obsessive article about mm-hmm. like the group of girls who are leading an end to child marriage and their biggest battle is essentially convincing people who in their communities just always did it because that's like they never thought more of it because it's something that was always happening um yeah. and that through their activism that they were actually starting to change people's minds where a 17 year old was married to a quite older man um and that the village elders actually are like started questioning that like the people Mm. in their community started questioning that and being like hey is that okay because of their activism so it really takes i thought that was really cool like essentially that they're making impact on it but that like you know that it is something that happens so often that people kind of get used to it kind of how we had and sorry to bother you that if it's like something so overwhelming that you don't know how to fix it that you kind of just like accept it because you don't know how to end it um that there are people still fighting and trying to like get rid of that mentality and trying to like still make sure that it's not happening anymore. Yeah. Well, sometimes it just shows like you just have to show that there's an alternative Mm -hmm. like that. This isn't the only way and that it's not normal and that other places are doing it this way. And it's like, I think it's great that they are encouraged to be vocal and are then looked at as like a resource instead of just like, you know, just looked over or dismissed for being Mm -hmm. like, hey, this is not cool (laughs) or right. And it's like, it's crazy because some of those statistics were 2019, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. like, this is happening. Like, this film is relevant. Yeah, like, similar to, like, Blood Quantum and Sorry to Bother You, is like, these are tales that are, unfortunately, seem to be evergreen. Like, Mm -hmm. they're still happening, they're still relevant, and hopefully films like this inspire that change, as well as, you know, the organizations and the the protests of those young women, too. Mm -hmm. And honestly, uh, in my research, like, there's a lot more information that exists. Obviously, this is something that's ongoing. So, I mean, the article goes on to outline injustices of the patriarchal job market, government bills aimed at domesticating women further, but, like, that's not the end of the story. So I recommend looking at our show notes for our links. Uh, We post our blogs to give you like more information, but there's like a long history of violence and oppression against women in Indonesia and across the globe. So this film was saying a lot and you should definitely do some research too. Yeah. So you should always do your research um, and kind of look into it and use this as a mouthpiece you know, mm-hmm. to, to see that there is an issue that we need to look into that is happening right now. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really great, the the For the Culture series, even just to kind of get a glimpse into these things that we wouldn't have known about otherwise. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, totally agree. 
<laughs> um, so the film, Impedigore, let us tell you about it because that's what we're going to dive into. Impedigore <laughs> um, is from 2019. Like you said, it's streaming on Shutter. So definitely take a look at it. Um, we will definitely spoil some things. Yeah. Because that's what happens here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it, you know, uh, content warning for some graphic things that happen in here and for like child death it's yeah. just like it's pretty gruesome child death <laughs> yeah so just you know warnings for that but definitely take a give it a watch if you want to watch before listening to this next part you're free to do that but uh in Pedagore from 2019 is about maya with her best friend dinny tries to survive in a city without a family she realized that she might inherit a property from a rich family. Maya returns to the village with Dinny and unaware of the dangers that were waiting for her. It is directed and written by Joko Anwar, and it stars Tara Basro and Ario Bayou and Marissa Anita. So nice. very female-centric story, like Kat was saying. Um, to me, I feel like this film, it's not quite the generational trauma that blood quantum was, but I do think there is this theme of like generational or inheriting like prejudice or like mm. expectations. Cause like she's coming back and people are holding her accountable for things that have nothing to do with her yeah. <laughs> like at the end of the day. And that, and that's kind of like how all of that is like the abuse that like these women are, are dealing with is like, that has nothing to do with them. It's not specifically their problem. It's just the, the whole culture it's like this is what is expected mm -hmm. um and so i think it's it's that i think there's this theme of inescapable curses like compounding them right like a attempting yeah. to repair the past uh only results in more trauma and guilt mm -hmm. and grief and pains <laughs> like guess, reopening as, wounds essentially yeah but also it's like it'll just take a new form you mm. know and um you know it's this question of can we truly escape the trauma of our ancestors mm -hmm. and can we ever go home again you know is it something that we should just separate ourselves from because ultimately like she goes back there and she's in danger <laughs> like mm -hmm. you in danger girl <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but uh, what struck me was the beginning of this film which really sets the tone for being mm -hmm. a woman and being afraid yeah. Because we have Maya and Dinny, who are both toll booth workers. Uh, they work in different toll booths, so they just communicate over the phone, kind of like what Kat and I are doing mm -hmm. <laughs> virtually, right? Like having this connection, but still being far. Mm -hmm. um, and so Maya is there, um, you know, working in the darkness. And she like brings up that there's been a, a creepy stranger who would drive by and just stare at her um and then he comes several times a day like that it just seems like you know unnatural or mm -hmm. like un like that's not what usually happens like who comes through a toll booth so often and in hers like almost like he yeah like make sure schedule. to go to hers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so like that is in, in any like woman who like especially existing in America I'm sure have had that experience where there's someone who you don't want to overreact right like you don't want it to seem like you're being paranoid or you know suspicious or it's just like but that person is walking like 
in the same direction as me for quite a while? Mm -hmm. Or why did they come into this store at the same time that I did after like trailing me for this whole time? Like I've had that. <laughs> like I've had mm -hmm. things where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a different route home, like take the longer route so they don't know where I live or something yeah. like that. And so it's right away I was like, I'm afraid mm -hmm. <laughs> like with her, like I understand that fear, like in that paranoia and it kicks it off with the fact that he shows up and he stares at her. And I think when he pulls over in the background, I remember you and I were texting <laughs> while we were watching it and we were both freaking out. Like we were panicking with her. And as she's yeah. like frantically, like trying to slam the door, she's calling like her friend, she's trying to call the, the people. It's like, do I wait in this tiny little isolated box to save myself, do I run? Like, what do I do? Like, it's just mm -hmm. me against this man. I don't know. For no reason, he wants to attack me. Mm -hmm. And, like, at the end, it's usually how it is, right? Like, yeah. you don't have any good reason why um, they are attacking you, and they ultimately just are. And it really is the heart of this film, which is the struggles of these women. Mm -hmm. um, from uh, Maya and Dinny, their struggles kind of through their normal life and kind of setting the tone of, of, you know, she doesn't belong and she's a loner. She just has this friend to being in the village and then meeting every woman in there. Like mm -hmm. every single woman I felt for, <laughs> like even the yeah. so-called villain, which we'll talk about too. I was like, she ain't wrong. <laughs> she ain't wrong either. Like at the end of the day, uh, they all are kind of justified in, I think that's really authentic and interesting for a film. Mm -hmm. Um, that like each one of these is made victim to the misogynistic and patriarchal society that treats their bodies as vessels. Yeah. And that's like it. <laughs> right? So um, Maya, our protagonist, is an orphan and an outcast. And she learns that she's inherited potentially this home. And so she has to return to this like lost in time village that is very difficult to get to mm -hmm. um it is <laughs> moody dark depressing and it's i really love the the nature of this this building there's like this transition from like the city right we're on the bus right that's a, mm -hmm. a, a way of transportation then we're on like this like carriage right and then we're like going in there and then we're on foot when we're in the village. So it's like this, like we're slowly like losing the technology in the like normal society. <laughs> and mm -hmm. We're like traveling back in time into this village. And the village is like, you, like you remarked on it a few times, Kat, was like how beautiful the nature was. Like the trees are like wrapped in vines and they're, mm -hmm. they're always kind of framing the shots. Like the scene is always happening between these trees and like there's the beautiful cemetery that's super sad like her house that she inherits is like awesome because it's huge and she's yeah. like i've never <laughs> seen a house this big which is already like a red flag because it's like why is no one living in this giant house everyone's living in their small houses and then it's like wrapped in vines mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of crimson peak how mm. it was like that beautiful mansion and then there was like everything was falling apart Mm -hmm. And like the fact that she has that um, the bed and or not the bed, the the tub 
Mm-hmm. And it's like such a great tub. But then there's the vines on the wall. And like they still have to like pump the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's like, a lot of water to have to pump. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like this dichotomy, right, of like wealth, but also just like the nature of it. Like it's returned to nature and it's been abandoned. Um, and it is the symbol of wealth and also the symbol of pain, which mm-hmm. is like those are one and the same, I feel like. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, it's shot beautifully. Um throughout the whole thing I think it's always kind of desaturated like mm-hmm. like you can like it changes the time of day but it is always kind of the same tone throughout mm. the whole time so you don't really even notice it's just like every day is the same every night is the same it's desaturated yeah. it's kind of claustrophobic because of the vines in the nature and the way that the town like the village is kind of close together um and it's like grungy almost yeah. like you just feel kind of dirty when you're watching it or not dirty but just like you've been trekking through with them mm-hmm. you're also <laughs> Which is interesting. in the uh nature yeah and it's like also like when they were um you know when they were in the beginning when they're in like the city part and they're in like a the marketplace like it's like sweaty and like full of people and then we get to this like village and there's like no one like you don't mm-hmm. see anybody and i thought that was like really weird um <laughs> in in the blog that you could read on our website i wrote a good man is hard to find because it's one of my favorite short stories um mm-hmm. but it is impossible in this film to find a good man there are none there is yeah. zero uh and i think it's because of it, it is representative of the patriarchal society that's super toxic and it in it, it's, it destroys itself, right? Like it, because there are people who are trying to fight against it, and then it just like keeps building and compounding on itself. Um, and the village, and it ends up twisting it and destroying it from the mm-hmm. inside. Um, but every single man in this film is toxic. Yeah. <laughs> Both of Maya's supposed fathers. So she has like the one that she thinks is her father, who's a rich guy. Uh, he's evil. Like, yeah. he didn't commit the murders that they said he did, but he did commit, he did kill three children. Yeah. Um, her actual father, who she finds out is her father later, uh, did commit those crimes that they put on the other dad. The other yeah. <laughs> so it's Not like the children, he, but the other ones. The but he killed people. other children instead. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which is super ableist. Um, but also, like, I understand. Like, there's a small remote village. It's not like they got health care. Mm-hmm. Um, but still super toxic um the village men are awful um one in that like they allow their children to be murdered yeah they're alive those kids are alive um they're not in the best shape and maybe that could be a cause of like the fact that this is a small village that they don't no one leaves no one comes in so Mm -hmm. maybe there's some incest happening even by accident um but like that could be an explanation for Mm. what this this curse is but at the end of the day they're letting their kids be killed but also we see um there's another woman reiti who is very pregnant mm-hmm. or a little pregnant and she helps uh maya uh and sh- there's a scene where these men come in and because her husband isn't here they like try to rape her yeah. they try to attack her and because it's because her husband isn't home like yeah. they respect him not her you're open for us to have like we're in the middle of looking for a woman so we can murder her to save our children uh but on the way we're gonna hurt you like that's how twisted they are like they're it's just 
absolutely toxic. And even like Rachie's husband. So like Rachie loves him, but it's like, this is a, a guy who she like grew up with and she, she's got to be with this guy. <laughs> she's got to yeah. be the wife and she loves him. But even he sh- shares his true colors because he was the one who attacked her in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Maya. So it's like, no one is good. There's not a single good one. And I think like that really kind of shows how deep it goes, like that you mm-hmm. can't find a single good one. Um, even thinking of like, uh, uh, me, the, the older woman mm-hmm. who essentially starts the curse spiral. She started it because her son was cheating, like was cheat being a cheater. He was being adulterous <laughs> with yeah. another man's wife. But that yeah. son that she has is the result of being raped by a man who was the previous puppet master. So uh. it's like she, like, it just keeps going. Like, her son let her down, and then also, like, the, his existence isn't what she wanted anyway. Like, or, like, wasn't planned and isn't didn't come from a good event, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like not, not giving her excuses because, like... Which is super evil, but yes, trauma hurt people, uh, hurt people. So exactly, yeah, she definitely is. She's definitely guilty, but I can understand what led her to that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think with her character is that she really wanted to undo this curse. I don't know if she fully understood that it was her fault. Yeah. Um, I th- I don't think she really was like the puppet master, the ultimate puppet master that was pulling the strings and causing all mm. of those deaths. I think it just kind of happens, like it spiraled out and then it was like out of her control and she so badly wants to fix that. She wants to redeem herself. Mm-hmm. And I think every time a baby is born without skin, she feels it. And that's yeah. why she has grown desperate and wild and is like trying to kill and stop this by whatever means necessary um, because it, the grief just has corrupted her. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, in a way, I feel like that might even be an element of the curse itself was like yeah. a way to like get into like curled up into her and cause her to do this as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's an article on um, horror obsessive, which you talked about a few times, Kat, um, called Women's Pain and Whying and uh, in Pedagore. And I also read it. Um, it's by Rebecca <laughs> Saunders. And because it was it's very good. It, it, is, it is, you yeah. know, really calling out this film um, and explaining some of those injustices and what it's really saying, the, the major themes of it. And one of the quotes that I pulled from it was, Overall, the horror of Impedigore is rooted in the victimization of women and children. In fact, depictions of violence against children in this film, while not fetishized or overdone, are almost intolerable. There is not a single sympathetic male character to be found in the city or in the village, and even male characters who are marginally sympathetic are eventually traitorous. Dinny's Mm. cruel fate is the earliest example of brutal female victimization in the film. The mystery of the frightful ghost children once revealed exemplifies the treacherous exploitation of children and the multitude of pregnant women whose babies are not allowed to live intensifies the focus on this type of victimization. What I found the most interesting in this film Mm -hmm. was the justification for the horror. Um, It's not often that you have a cult horror film or, or a folk t- horror film, or some, like thinking of like Midsommar, right? Like mm-hmm. I do not 
feel for the people in that village <laughs> at all. I was never like, it makes sense to me. Why not? Yeah, they weren't like going through anything. They were just yeah, like living just their doing. life and chose to make these decisions. Exactly. We're like here, they're going through horrific things. Yeah, like these are people who are plagued with years of pain from this plague uh, that has infected their children. Mm -hmm. um, it's like imagine being a woman in this place and yeah. you there's no contraceptives. You have to get married. Because that's your only role in society. You know, as soon as you get married, you're going to have, you're going to be pregnant. And that whole time, you can't ever allow yourself to be hopeful. You can't ever allow yourself to love what's in there because you know mm -hmm. it's going to come out broken and that you yeah. don't get it in the end. And it's so it's just like repeating that same grief over and over and over again. Like that is a specific type of evil and trauma that like you yeah. cannot just like get up from. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you don't like if the curse when like suppose the curse is lifted even like I feel like if you had lost one two three children to to the curse in the beginning it's like you would be so afraid to find joy and to allow yourself to to believe that this one was going to be mm -hmm. okay and so like that itself is like is a punishment it, it is a pain it is a restriction um yeah. that like they can't even find joy in the one thing right so like for nine months you are just fully aware of the futility of the situation and that there it is doomed yeah whether you like it or not um and i i think that's really heartbreaking because and it's also like the husbands too right like mm -hmm. yeah they're not redeeming but that's kind of like they've been stripped away from like the fact that they're supposed to be a father like they let their children down <laughs> because this curse exists like because their ki yeah. kids can't even exist they can't let their name go on like so many of those things that are so like patriarchal and misogynistic are being canceled out too um yeah. and so like it, it kind of corrupts them and they're all twisted and so it, you know there's just this immense grief in these villagers and so when they are like turning into a mob and coming after Maya, I honestly was just like, I get it. Yeah, I really can't blame them <laughs> because like yeah, in the, they in just the want their babies to be okay. Like ultimately, like they just want to be able to, as you said, like the patriarchal and wanting their names to go on. There's and the only way that that can happen is to sacrifice one person. So they're like, we've been having to sacrifice all these children. Of course, we're going to sacrifice her. Yeah, it's like, what's one woman I don't know who has yeah. a history of evil that we know? Like, her dad was evil. That's all we know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, like, the one person that we believe in told us to do it. Like, what else do we have? Like, that's our only bit of hope. Yeah, I think, like, even in the, in the very end, so, like, the, the kind of closing scene, we see that when you let your guard down mm -hmm. and let even the minimal amount of joy, like, we see this joyous couple, it only creates even more pain. Because it, like her scream was because they thought they got out and she had the audacity to dream of a future where she had a kid that was normal yeah. and that she could have it, right? Like that she could just get to, to live this future. Yeah, they, like they were actually hopeful, which makes the devastation even worse. Where it's like, it's not worse, I guess, but like it hits harder. And that, like, when yeah. you go into something with expectations and those expectations are, like, devastated, like, you become devastated. Where, like, if you know it still is awful, but you've, like, guarded yourself a little bit to it. 
Yeah. Like, because we see it, there's two women who are told, like, the first woman where you think because, you know, they think the curse is lifted, she thinks that her baby's going to be fine and then he isn't. And she's, like, destroyed. And then we see a second one who doesn't believe it because they don't know that, like, they're worried about the curse. They don't think it's lifted. And then it turns out that the kid is okay. Yeah. Um, And so there's, like, there's, like, this weird, like, oh, oh. Oh, I get a kid now. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't I wasn't expecting that. I was setting myself up for sadness. And I think that really is the heart of the the curse is that you can't escape, right? Like the fact that it gets compounded and all of that, but the real horror is that you can't even allow yourself to hope and yeah. and dream of escape. And that really is what tears people down um and and destroys what little like joy or happiness that they had in there. Um there is another article I found uh, on the spool called Empedagore Drags You Through the Curse of Country Life um, by Clint Worthington. And it says, Anwar's latest is a tragic supernatural drama about people caught on the raw end of a deal someone else made for them. The villagers are frightening and then the thrall of murderous forces. When Maya asked one sympathetic villager why they follow Bu's uh, character, her response is, who else do we have to look up to here? But they're driven by desperation to lift a curse that has claimed their children for years. Obviously, we root for our heroine, heroine to lift the curse without having to lose her life. But the savagery of the townsfolk is born of genuine decades-long pain they're willing to stamp out by any means necessary. And yeah. in the end, you know, they are led, you know, to destruction by the people in power and the people that they trust. Mm-hmm. The people that they thought were looking out for them. Yeah, they, um, they thought were like the ones ending the curse, not the cause of it. Yeah. And uh, the, one of the interesting things is, so Reiti is a woman who has a ridiculous amount of hope for such a bleak place. Like, she just, like, no matter what is thrown at her, she kind of is making, she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like she's getting through it. She's like, yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> got to keep going. Um, yeah. And, uh she, you know, explains that her uh, mother is a spiritual woman who told her that you can't remove a curse. Like, you can't get rid of a curse. If you do mm-hmm. that, it'll be replaced with a worse one. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like what we see. Because we see, like, the first curse was just on this one woman and then it spiraled at, like, you know, which is what Maya, like, was cursed not to have skin. Um, which then resulted in, like, her dad doing demonic stuff and killing children which then like resulted in this guy killing like villagers which resulted in the village not having any children with skin um and i think like it's it's hopeless again and like tangled up because it's just like the only answer at the end is to leave but you know maya tries to fight and and stop the curse um which she learns is not her father's uh but her grandmother's <laughs> curse. Um, and it just, I, I feel like it, it was pointless because you can't break away from this curse. It yeah. just evolves and never lets you go, which is really bleak um, yeah. and sad to <laughs> to envision. Um, but I think it really did speak on the, the issues that these people have been facing um, mm-hmm. is that there's just no one there to help. And... I don't want to say like you're all on your own, but you are all on your own. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like, can you, can you ever go home? Yeah. No. That was a super sad film. Um, 
worth it, but so sad. Yeah. Like, in, in the, the horror of it was very unique. Like, there's no, like you said, like, jump scares. There's, like, mm-hmm. spooky things, like, where there's a lot of darkness, and mm-hmm. you're always looking in the darkness for whatever it is. And there are times when there are things out there. Um, yeah. There are ghosts. Like, there's the three ghost girls. Um, but it's really what is terrifying is the situations that are happening it's like seeing the children or seeing the one child that got to live and they just abandoned him in the woods um or like seeing that guy at the beginning like like i was like this is terrible this is the most horrifying film (laughs) for right now um but like yeah i think it was they were all very authentic natural scares um that were just good yeah no, it was really um, well done. It, uh, it was also like I watched uh, his film festival thing uh, mm-hmm. that he like was talking about how it was made and whatever. Um, and he actually like went to villages that like were in the middle of nowhere to film and like stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool, too, that like he was very authentic in even location to what mm-hmm. he was trying to portray. Yeah. Yeah, he's very intentional. I there's another film by him um, that I'm sure we'll cover later as well um, that people rave about as well because it he just has a very natural way of you know using the environment and using just human emotion to drive the story and not mm-hmm. rely on like jump scares or you know monsters right like because the again the monsters are the people mm-hmm. um, and it really what was it really got to my heart. Like it, it was yeah. heavy in a different way than like blood quantum was <laughs> like yeah. blood quantum was a lot to take. And like, I felt sick, like in, in a way that like was good. Like I, I appreciated it. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it was really inventive. Um, but this one was like, it just sat with me for a while where it's just like, could you imagine? Like, yeah, I can't even be mad, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I can't even be mad. Um, and I think that's that speaks volumes of mm-hmm. what happens when you're you're authentic and you're intentional um, in telling your story and seeing like how it ties back to the reality of the situation too. It's like phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I guess for for readings. I guess if you like it, like hope that things will get yeah. better. And if you don't, like, don't it, like it, it's just big sads. <laughs> big sad. Yeah. So. If you like it, it's hoping against hope, um, despite the circumstances, mm-hmm. um, allowing yourself to hope, even though that means that it might hurt more. Yeah. But like, at least you got to hope for a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like that's better than being like sad forever. Yeah. Um, Get a little if you don't like happiness. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you don't like it, it's uh, big sad. Big <laughs> um, sad. Hopeless, big sad. Uh, so, Kat, for the for what's happening in Indonesia. Um. Well, it's big sad. It's definitely big sad. Um, but hope in the fact that there are like organizations and movements that are trying to make it better. Yeah, I agree. I think the the hope against hope is is those young women who are fighting and are making a difference. Like the Mm -hmm. fact that they can see that there is a difference and that people are like, Hey, let's question this now. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's progress. Just asking the right questions, just looking into it is progress. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah. Um, And then with, you know, the, the situation and the fact that, you know, it's still going on. I think we can relate that that happens quite a lot 
a lot of places in the world, mm-hmm. um, which is big sad. And so it's yeah. it's only hoping that organizations like that can pop up everywhere and we yeah. can have a future where it's not like that. Um, and then for the film, for me, is definitely a hope against hope because it is really good. It's genuinely um, really, really well done. Great story. I don't even remember how long it is because I was just like, <laughs> just watched it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> was pretty like, long, yes. but like not like crazy long. Like, it mm-hmm. was definitely every minute counted. Like, nothing yeah. was extra. Everything was very intentional and, like, needed to be there. Yeah. I think, like, some of the parts where she's in the the marketplace, mm. in the city kind of thing, there was some, like, spooky stuff that was happening there. Yeah. Um, but I would have liked to, like, just hop on the bus. <laughs> and get right to the to the village that was creepy but i i get like setting the tone of who she was yeah it was it definitely was necessary yeah and you get to see a little bit more of indonesia too which is cool yeah i really enjoyed that i that was one thing i liked um was seeing that and because that's not a place i ever get to see like, yeah, like on screen <laughs> yeah um and so it's nice it's, it's i am thankful for that because it's like oh that's that that's what that place looks like. Um, cool. Like I started looking. I was like, "Where is this? What?" Is-? <laughs> I was like, "I don't yeah. know where this is." <laughs> I looked like immediately because because uh, the pu- puppetry is like Javanese is the language that they use, and Java is like a place in Indonesia that has, I believe, Islamic roots. And I thought that was just like really interesting because I did not know that before. So it was cool mm-hmm. to like get a little glimpse into everything, especially if they went to a real like isolated village. That's like, that's something you don't get to see every day. Uh- yeah. And because like, uh, I, there was like, when you say like, a, um, it's uh, ancestry there, because there's a part where like Dinia Meyer in the cemetery, and they mm-hmm. find her parents. And she's like, well, I should say a prayer. I don't know any prayers. And she's like, do you think God only knows Arabic? <laughs> she like makes a joke of that. Like yeah. you could speak English to it or like not English where what they were speaking. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I thought that was like, uh, I thought it was funny, but it was also like, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't know that that's the Like it was just like the whole way through. It was like I was learning and being educated about, you know, this place and also like the horrors that were in it. So um, yeah. Definitely. The great film, great film. Man. Absolutely. So that's um, in um our third in the For the Culture series. It's going to be a long one, so sit tight. Because yeah. uh, there's a lot of films, and we're really excited about them. And so um, I hope you're enjoying this series. Remember to like and subscribe. Drop us Do a we... comment. We always appreciate that. Share us on social media. Um, and follow the blog, too, um, so you can see... Uh, how to what other things we found or um if you just like reading educate (laughs) yourself guess smrt yes smart right well with that being said don't get married don't get married delete your your kids oh oh yeah that's rough okay your kids they just drown them (laughs) oh no (laughs) no no. the last the last curse was eaten so oh right yeah you're right you're right she did Ooh. Why did yeah. that keep what happening? A sight. I don't know. <laughs> because I'm comfortable. Probably uncomfortable. Leave the babies alone. Um, yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>